0: Welcome to the Hired Geek Podcast, where we explore the impact of edtech on the student experience with engaging, fun, and relevant conversations that honor the wide range of work happening all across the higher ed ecosystem. I'm your host, Dustin Ramsdell, Community Engagement Lead at Pathify. You join me every week for discussions with some of the best minds in education technology. The Hired Geek Podcast is a proud member of the Enrollify Podcast Network, a robust collection of shows designed to help higher education professionals like you grow every day explore all of our other shows at enrollify.org or check out some of my personal favorites linked in the show notes below enrollify is made possible by element 451 the leading ai powered all-in-one student engagement platform helping institutions create meaningful personalized and engaging interactions with students learn more at element451.com This episode came about in kind of an interesting way. Uh, As the recording of this episode, I met our guest a few months ago at EdTech Week in New York. I just had a really nice conversation, really appreciated their perspective on things. And honestly, it's been sort of echoing in my head and kind of like informing some of the conversations I've had here and elsewhere. So I really just wanted to be like, okay, I I need to get you on the show and kind of have an opportunity to dig in deeper and kind of share uh, your perspective out with the Folks out in the rest of the world. So we'll start as we always do. uh, If you want to introduce yourself uh, briefly, and then we'll get into kind of just like perspectives on the current moment for higher education, jobs to uh, college, college to jobs, and uh, all sorts of different things. But uh, I want to just introduce yourself briefly.
1: Thank you so much for having me. So my name is Irina. Um, I used to run a startup called Let Me Graduate which was looking to increase enrollment in higher education institutions and uh, increase retention and graduation rates, and then also help students identify which colleges would allow them to get credit for the experiences they already have. So the way that I came about this is I was a transfer student myself. I ended up graduating from Excelsior University. It was called Excelsior College at the time. and basically just wanted to figure out like ways to get college credits um, that were not necessarily like synchronous in-person learning opportunities but something a little bit more flexible and then I found out about CLEP tests found out about the American Council on Education Excelsior actually accepts everything that's on the American Council on Education on like their national guide and I think probably their military guide as well and I just thought it was super interesting that there was no way for students to be able to identify those learning opportunities for themselves and understand which institutions would allow them to get credit for that work, which also is the, the learning opportunities articulated on the American Council on Education also meet the learning outcomes of a lot of degree requirements. So I thought that like mapping that was super interesting. And so, yeah, that's basically how I got into this by doing it myself.
0: Yeah, a lot of things there. And I've kind of wanted to try to find uh, folks to talk to. Like, and I guess just to kind of clarify my understanding, where like part of this is like there would be a student who may be, you know, wanting to kind of transfer from one institution or another for any number of reasons, or even just maybe like be empowered to find like a cost effective way or a convenient way to get the credits they need and, you know, maybe graduate in less time or anything like that. Do you, do you feel like? This is something that's kind of just indicative of the mess that is like, you know, student transfers in the United States, like this is like one reason why that is the way that it is, because like, you know, as as great as it is, like ACE is kind of the only kind of benchmark or anything. And even that isn't like terribly user friendly or, you know, because I guess can you sort of expand on that, I guess, is that being kind of one core sort of cause of like this, this transfer problem for students?
1: Yeah, definitely. I think a lot of students aren't actually aware of the American Council on Education, and um, they also don't even really know how to understand transfer within their own institution. So let's say they want to go to a community college first, and they have a target institution. I didn't know the word articulation agreement until after I graduated. So how could a student possibly go and find that information out for themselves Plus, like, articulation agreements is super confusing and difficult to read. I think that they're usually just made for administrators. And it's information that if students had access to it and had access to how to read it and how to understand it, it could really benefit them and empower them. It's really based on, like, what the institution decides for themselves and what they want to accept. So... There's no way for students to like logically be able to comprehend what will transfer and what will not, which is also part of the problem, and the information is not very frequently updated. I think that there's a lot of burnout within the administration side of universities and various institutions, and they just don't have the capacity to be able to update these as frequently as they need in order for them to be useful in the first place.
0: Right. like it is like a very wonky policy kind of like thing and very like yeah like you said bureaucratic like it serves you know the institutions and the staff members more so and that you know as far as a student is concerned say yeah there's probably a lot of information in there that they don't need to know like there's some very crucial information kind of buried in these things that they would need to know so yeah like that idea of this hypothesis that you have of you know what you know, what is the way that we could try to simplify that and maybe personalize it to a student where you know uh, they would just kind of be presented with the information that would be most useful and relevant? Because yeah, like they would be doing a search of how do I transfer credits or something, like a simple question, but a very complex answer, or even more so where it's like, well, I'm a current student here and I want to transfer there. Like before I even try to start down that path, how does that look? Because I feel like they only, students only realize, unfortunately, and tragically, sometimes like after the fact where they're like, cool, but well, I want to go there. I'm here. I'll just transfer my credit. Like, I'll just, you know, like that, that word is like, yeah. you know, carries so much weight. It's like, I'll just transfer it. It'll be fine. And it's like, uh, yeah, you might get credit for half of them, but maybe they're just like elective credits or whatever. Like, there's just a lot in here. And I think it is, uh, you know, that idea of like, okay, the problem being students can't transfer as easily as they should. And that, you know, just creates all the confusion and friction. And then that's, Borne out by the, you know, some college, no degree. I guess I know that that's part of sort of uh, kind of what we want to cover for our conversation today. And I think the idea of you're really kind of examining this and kind of, you know, uh, kind of doing your research and all this kind of stuff, I guess, can you you speak to, to that part of this conversation? Because I get like the transfer problems is not the core cause or the only cause of so many people in this country having some college and no degree. So if you want to kind of give more context to that, because I think that's really like the big problem that we're facing that transfer would help address it. And like, you know, job pathways would kind of help address it. So let's kind of, I guess, spend some time there. The Some college, no degree, you know, that population.
1: So in order to be able to talk about, I think the some college, no degree population, we need to talk about why the degree is important in the first place. And it's basically just, it, it's a way for employers to identify that a candidate is qualified for a certain position and the problem with that is that a degree is kind of the only way in which they can recognize that but it's not the best way to do it and we need to give employers the tools to be able to assess learning outside of a classroom in order for them to actually be able to do a good job at identifying qualified candidates and Yeah, the current system relies on degrees. So it's actually like the bundle of the degree that's important. And the some college, no degree population has gone on to pursue that bundle of the degree, but has not achieved it, which means that they've done a ton of learning that is not recognized by an employer or by the workforce. So in December of 2013, there were 14.3% of working age adults in the US that had some college and no degree. And as of July 2021, that's at 20%. So we basically have 20% of working age adults in the U.S. that have learning that is not able to be recognized by the workforce.
0: Just a crime, a tragedy that that population has increased. And then the idea that like these students who may earnestly still be hustling and trying to earn their degree with stuff like transfer kind of like maybe keep backsliding where it's like, well, I've been in college, you know, for however many years and I still don't have anything to show for it because I keep sort of like, you're losing like integrity of the copy, like, or whatever, you know, you keep copying a copy I copy. It's like, yeah, you're losing some integrity there. Like you're, you're losing credits with every transfer. or I maybe mean, like, well, I chose a school right when I graduated high school. It didn't really work because like maybe life things happen. I tried to kind of go back to that. That didn't work. And now I'm trying to like, Go study completely online and you know, and it's like you're you're earnestly trying to do the right things and make the right choices and all of that. And I think, yeah, like you're saying, like the the system of higher education is the idea somebody could be 90% of the way there, but if they don't finish that 10% and someone's as if they never started to begin with or something, like they're out they're at that same sort of level. Whether it's like, okay, how can we try to efficiently get, you know, sort of these completion offerings in place or yeah, just kind of dismantle the whole paradigm or notion that, you know, a four-year bachelor's degree is the only way that we can uh reliably sort of say like, yeah, this person would be a, you know, qualified professional in whatever job or something. So transfer is a mess. Four-year degree, you've got to get all the way, or you might as well have not even been started, kind of thing. And we're not necessarily really I just kind of want to like tee you up to say the thing that's sort of just like resonated with me because I put this question in here of like you're like hey, you know what are some other frustrating aspects of higher ed at this moment and like obviously like we've already kind of covered it like you know making that whole process easy for students but then like certainly a whole litany of other things that sort of I feel like kind of add to this
1: problem. So I was working on Let Me Graduate for two years and during that period a lot of it was trying to figure out what the rules are and a lot of the time I would just come to a barrier where I realized that There are actually just no rules for what I was trying to find the rule for. And that kind of also applies to general standards and taxonomies. So there's no real taxonomy for learning opportunities. So we can't really understand what a learner knows by doing a certain course or an exam. The fact that like that's not explicitly attached to the learning opportunity definitely hinders progress in higher ed because that needs to be attached in order for people to be able to understand what the learner knows how to do and also there's learning that occurs um, implicitly outside of higher education so for example one in eight americans have had a job at mcdonald's during that time where they worked at mcdonald's they learned something Uh, but that learning has not been articulated So they can't really take that and apply it to another job or another role.
0: Yeah. And I think that's if anybody has uh, religiously listened to Hired Geek episodes, I feel like hopefully you're connecting dots like I am is the idea of like there's a lot of people working on like comprehensive learner records and that obviously could be like the things that you do in institution or, you know, there's obviously a lot of institutions that do uh competency based learning, and if there's ways that you could sort of prove based on your work experience or doing some other sort of uh you know task or exam or whatever else, like you could easily just sort of prove like okay cool i'm I'm great at customer service, I'm great at multitasking or whatever way i mean like th- and that's even something where there's like some i will take it as uh an opportunity, some freedom in like you know you being able to compellingly tell your story, the things that you're good at, the experiences that you've had, the things that you can do, whatever, and that can yeah honor things that you did prior to entering into any higher education institution and the things that you did, you know, whether in or outside the classroom at an institution. Um, And yeah, like there just have been people calling for that, I feel like, past several years, and I think we're making some marginal improvements in doing that. But it is kind of fascinating that like, I think as much as goes into the design of a college course you know you would have to kind of articulate as like a faculty who's building the course or teaching it like what are the learning outcomes and like you know what would we hope people understand at the end of this course but it's like you're not going from that to something that is sort of like portable or sort of uh translatable or whatever you know Uh, but then it's like it doesn't behoove them to do that like it doesn't like why would they spend time and being like hey here's a thing that you could take anywhere else but here to like get your degree or pay tuition you know so that's kind of like the frustrating aspect of it and i'll just say and i'll ask for sort of you to sort of elaborate and, and expand upon this like the thing that just like you know really stuck in my head that we were talking about back at a tech week was the idea too of so many institutions and especially when you see the like billboards subway ads or whatever you know and even just like landing pages for websites they just institutions will have these like really bland generic you know start here go anywhere and like whatever kind of like taglines or something and it's like it could any institution can say that. Like, and it doesn't mean anything. And like, and your thought process was like, why don't they make it clear that like this is gonna be tough, this is gonna be hard, but we're here for you. And I think probably like community colleges and certain types of institutions make that much more front and center than others. But like, why I guess was that sort of like on your mind? I guess like that sort of way that institutions present themselves, because I think that's sometimes even like even part of kind of the frustrating aspect or part of the problem here is just like Certainly recruitment's a big thing. You want somebody to feel like they're welcome. But then it's like the real hard part is keeping a student in, keeping them successful and supporting them through however many years or wherever else. So I feel like that is like a frustrating aspect that compounds this problem as well. But like, why was that something that sort of like was, you know, kind of resonating with you?
1: I think I had just seen a lot of ads um on the New York subway basically making all of these like grand statements and There's a lot of distrust in higher ed right now. And I think the way to kind of bring that trust back is to be honest about the reality of it. Like college for most people is not a glamorous thing. It's hard work and you're there to achieve a goal. And I think that by saying like you can go anywhere, it gives people some kind of wishy washy idea of why they're going with it. Whereas you're much more likely to persist if you have a good, solid idea of where you want to go with this credential or with this degree,
0: yeah, I think more emphasis on that i I'm hoping that with like you know higher ed loves its existential crises, but like one of the ones that we're going through right now of like the enrollment cliff, like oh my gosh, whatever it's like, okay, maybe this will be a more moment where like we really lean into the momentum that's sort of been building on the retention front and student support and all that kind of stuff, like just really trying to build that up more robustly and think about how we do that in digital spaces. Cause I think we're just going to increasingly have students who are coming right out of high school, wanting to study partially or entirely online as addition to the adult learners who've kind of historically done that and everything. So it's just going to really force the point even more so than it already has been of like, how do we do student support and how do we do it well and digitally and all that the messaging of institutions and like what, what do they put out at the forefront and all that. And it like really captured my attention, I think because I've remarked to people sometimes where like, I live outside Philadelphia. And if I'm like going up there, you know, you drive up and down I-95 and I play this game where it's just like, look at all the higher ed billboards. And it's like, that's just like a paradigm shift. I feel like in our lifetime, where like, higher ed used to just, I think have a resistance of like, no, we've just built it. They will come and whatever. And now the idea that you are seeing more ads, you're just seeing these like, Yeah, these like bland generic ads. And in my head, I'm like, I mean, that feels like wasted money to begin with, even if it was like the most amazing billboard on the face of the planet. But yeah, just the idea that they're choosing to not really honor that it is going to be a uh, long, hard journey to get to the goal, uh, because it's like, yeah, the idea of like applying is easy. I could apply to a bunch of colleges today and all that and like you know start that journey to go anywhere but so i think that that is like yeah like a really frustrating aspect and I'm, I'm glad that my hope will hopefully be confirmed that like there'll be a bit more of a balance of not being so focused on the recruitment piece and more so on the support piece because yeah like that's why there's some college no degree is a lot of people started and didn't finish like it almost again would be better if like not so many people started something that maybe like that institution was not the best fit or that wasn't the best program for them or like they should have been in person versus online or vice versa or something so um i guess any any thoughts about that i guess of that sort of like that balance that dilemma of like recruitment versus support Hey, it's Dustin here. Exciting news. I'll be at the Engage Summit in Raleigh, North Carolina on June 25th and 26th, and I'd love to meet you there. Hosted by Element 451, the Engage Summit is your roadmap for AI readiness in higher education. Sessions will focus on cutting-edge AI applications that are reshaping student outreach, enhancing staff productivity, and offering deep insights into ROI. This isn't your typical conference. It's a strategic summit where you'll learn from the best about leveraging AI and digital strategies and higher ed marketing. Imagine two days filled with hands-on sessions, real success stories, and the chance to network with top minds in the field. You'll leave with practical, transformative takeaways as you learn how AI fosters a more personalized, efficient approach from recruitment to student success. Oh, and the best part? The Engage Summit is incredibly affordable use the discount code Enrollify50 and you can register for just $99. So join me and many of my fellow Enrollify network creators at the Engage Summit this June. Learn more and register at engage.element451.com. Can't wait to see you there.
1: Yeah, I think that institutions generally don't have enough skin in the game for students to succeed. Their aim is not student success. It's a lot of the time enrollment that also really varies uh, depending on the institution type but a lot of the time it seems to be that that's the case and all of these ads just point to the fact that colleges are not hiding the fact that students are customers and that they are a business and that in order to be able to operate as a profitable business they need to get more customers And whether they get more students to enroll or more students to graduate, um, that's kind of part of their business model. They basically need like X amount of students enrolled at a given time. And whether a lot of those students are new students or whether a lot of those students are like kind of scattered throughout uh, the two or four years of the college depends on their own personal strategy. But the revenue could remain the same either way. So you could be really good at recruiting, or you could be really good at retaining. You don't really have to do both in order to have that stability throughout.
0: That's always like the flashy thing that, you know, an institution will put like a press release out or something. It's just like, look how many new students we have. And it's like, uh, yeah, but like, what's your retention or something? Like, you know, that's kind of always like where my brain goes. They're just like, what's the student satisfaction of the students that you have studying in your institution? It's like, cool, good on you. You had a lot of great marketing efforts and you like pounded the pavement to get students to like, you know, because even even like the, the crazy thing is like when they say like we had so many students apply, but then it's like, OK, how many actually like ended up attending your institution? OK, then how many actually stayed at your institution? You know, like it is that idea like, yeah, they're like certain institutions are going to be at varying points on that spectrum. But like there's that's part of this sort of like the. And this is, I guess, the hottest take that I'll probably do in this episode, but like the idea of like bad actors in this space of like if they're so. You know, even like a nonprofit institution, you saw a lot of for-profits doing this. It's like, they're so emphasized on marketing, they get students to start, and then like that idea, they got some, you know, portion of the way and had to sort of bail out or stop out, like that, yeah, there's no skin in the game and all that. So like, they'll tout, like, look how many students we had, but then like, they're really kind of failing them on the back end. And that thankfully there are, you know, more positive actors here who are, really kind of mindful and intentional about trying to kind of thread the needle and find that balance of like, well, we obviously do need to continually recruit and get more more students and new students, but we need to hopefully be as welcoming to transfer students to honor kind of, you know, the first point that we were making and be really supportive of uh, the current students that we have. And to segue from this, and I think the whole lot of the conversation for another day of like, you know, to build on that hot take of like, should we hold these institutions accountable for being sort of bad actors? I'll just put that out there. Maybe we'll do that episode the season. But hope, optimism, a solution, a possibility of sort of like the kind of back and forth, the pendulum of like jobs to college, college to jobs, I think is something I know that you, uh, as you sort of examine the space, I feel like it's something that could be kind of a, a healing solve applied to the kind of whole uh, situation here. So what gives you hope? about sort of the job pathways right now, you know, job to college, college to job pathways, you know, right now and moving into the future. Like, have you seen some, you know, some positive trend lines right now? And are you optimistic about where things are heading?
1: Yeah, so I think that the main part about pathways is that you want to be able to transition seamlessly between each of these kind of like institutions and organizations, so like, whether it's like high school to college to job, or you want to do it in like a slightly different order. But like at the core of that is the delivery method of the content and of the learning. So within the high school setting, you have like APs. Within the college setting, you can have a number of delivery methods. Traditionally, it's been synchronous and in-person, but now we have a shift towards synchronous online and asynchronous online delivery methods. But then there's also things like credit by exam, which could really serve the adult learner population, which is also increasing. And that's why you kind of want to be able to have all of these different pathways available because different delivery methods will apply to different students. So going from like a job to college will allow a student who needs to earn an income to earn that income, but then also be able to apply what they learn in that position in that job to their college work should they decide to enroll. And a lot of that has to do with Like, I don't know if you've had the term good jobs, Um, but basically getting students on the path to a good job and to a career is, I think, the aim of a good pathway. So you can have, like, there's just basically like a lot of stackability. So you can have a student that does like an apprenticeship in HVAC. They use that apprenticeship in HVAC to get their associates in HVAC. So it's basically like that apprenticeship plus like general education courses stacked on top of it. And then with that associates, they can go on to do like a bachelor's. um, So supplement that kind of like that stack with like, let's say like a business degree or like that like business major within the bachelor's degree, and then go back to that HVAC occupation and become a manager within that organization. So it's kind of the whole cycle. And you can't think about these different points in the cycle as separate anymore because they're so interconnected.
0: Yeah, I mean, like you're saying kind of the flexibility where it's not like so rigid, where you feel like you would have to like stop one to start the other, where it's like, well, I have a good job, but I need to, you know, get further education to get to where I want to be. And then has to like, you know, delay it or entirely prevent it or something.
1: There's also something to say with acknowledging learning and experiences that a student has. Because if an institution is able to acknowledge that a student has valuable learning and that learning is also valuable to the institution, it's like, I see you. I see what you've done and I want to help you. Whereas like if you completely disregard everything that they've done previously to enrolling in the institution, then that student just won't feel like they fit in. They don't feel like anything they've done is counted towards something that the institution values.
0: To me, because I think a lot of disruptive people or, you know, outsiders looking in would say like obviously like institutions, you know, yeah, haven't, haven't evolved as quickly or sort of adapted, uh, to this, uh, you know, as much as they would prefer. But I do think that that's where a innovative forward-looking institution, uh, you know, like what gives me hope is that like, they can be in a strong place to help structure those pathways where it's not just like each individual is trying to figure it out on their own. It's like, they could be a guiding force to like, kind of help make sure that they are, uh, going about it in a way that makes sense and maybe just some ease of like, yeah, we know who you are. And yeah, like what you did before you even came here and we know that you got your certificate with us and did all that. And now you're ready to use your employer funding to get your, you know, your MBA or whatever, you know, there could be some efficiencies there and certainly like affinity uh, that a particular person has for institutions is like, yeah, you've been there. We've done a great job. I, you know, uh, like working with you, whatever. Um, that, Yeah. Like they can help structure those pathways. Cause I think, there are certainly people who can and have been successful just being like, eh, you know, I don't think I want to go to college. Yeah, I'm going to go get that like certificate to go work at Amazon or Google and just doing like help desk stuff or whatever. And that gets me funding to pursue whatever. And they could they do that and they figure it out and they, they are successful. Mm-hmm. But other people, it's just like, well, I don't even know where to start or how to kind of go from here once I've maybe gotten some portion of the way or something. So institutions hopefully could help help people figure that out.
1: I think there are a lot of these pathways that already exist, but it's really hard to get students um, to understand them. So I went to this kind of summit um, earlier in the year, and they were talking about creating more pathways to and through higher education. But there was no mention of helping students understand the pathways that are available to them, because there are loads of great initiatives out there. It's just that students don't know that they exist. And so we also need the tools to put in front of the students so that they can better understand what the best pathway is for them and what their options are.
0: And I guess just to try to put kind of the final word on this kind of conversation that we're having, like, is there any sort of examples or things of like how you see higher ed evolving? And I guess in terms of sort of the, maybe uh, pressuring you to give even a slightly mild hot take, but like, What do you feel like will happen if higher ed doesn't evolve? So, like, you know, what are examples of the folks that you see doing it, you know, doing the work well in this arena? And what do you feel like, you know, because I feel like we're already kind of seeing that, like the winners and losers are starting to kind of play out. You're seeing a lot of institutions close or have to make pretty drastic cuts and stuff. So, like, I feel like maybe it's just sort of like bolding, underlining that point, but kind of the two sides of the coin the ones who are doing it well. And what do you feel like for the folks who aren't doing it well? What's going to happen?
1: Obviously, the people who are not doing it well, are pro- they're probably going to close. What needs to happen, I think, is we need to acknowledge a lot more that it's no longer high school students coming straight into college. And like the enrollment cliff is due to that. But then there's also an increase in high school students engaging in dual enrollment whilst they're in high school. And so we need to focus on the populations that are looking to get that college experience focus on targeting them and delivering an experience that that caters to them because like the traditional experience we spoke about earlier the synchronous in-person courses that doesn't really work for that population nor does it work for the some college new degree population or like the adult learners and so we need to kind of shift the way that we deliver higher ed And another thing that needs to happen is we really need a taxonomy to just map the whole learning opportunities ecosystem and understand it a lot better, including learning that's done within organizations like McDonald's.
0: I appreciate you making that example because I feel like that'll resonate with most people. Just the idea of like a lot of people at the same job and we don't really, you know, catalog that very well. Um, uh, Because, yeah, like it's even the idea of, I think, in a a population that experiences this quite acutely as like uh, veteran students and stuff, like they'll sometimes get some sort of higher credential, but like if they didn't do that while they were serving, they can experience very acutely like the transfer issues or, you know, having so much experience, but getting no sort of like, you know, uh, have kind of nothing to show for those competencies and everything. So I think just like trying to get to a place where it's not just like, only targeting those sort of populations like Mm -hmm. we just have that like you know taxonomy or sort of structures and platforms and tools and different things in place and just sort of normalizing a new paradigm where transfers are easier you know and uh, folks coming in with experience can kind of be better positioned to not just be like i don't know for lack of a better word i guess like wasting their time and having to pay these institutions to you know tuition dollars it's going to take the effort of a lot of folks you know hitting it kind of from all sides because it's like obviously this all works great for institutions like and the one institution that gets you locked in and doesn't let you transfer or you know doesn't let you do it easily um you know uh, they're getting you know they're getting served well but uh not, not many other folks so well we will end as we always do though you know i think you've provided some incredible perspectives and great sort of uh insights and things for folks to be kind of uh marinating on as they're uh you know Uh, going off into the world after listening to this conversation. But final thought, call to action on this topic to kind of wrap everything up. uh, The floor is yours.
1: It would be really nice if institutions were more transparent about their transfer policies and if they kept them up to date a bit more. And also just, I think a lot of policies say that like it's up to the Dean's discretion at the end of the day, whether the credits are accepted or not. So this is kind of it's evaluated on a case-by-case basis please at least have a few that are not up to the dean's discretion for example ap like you could probably manage to do that uh in a standardized way
0: it's funny because like you know it's not this like <laughs> grandiose thing but that is such a fundamental like paradigm shift is like yeah like for i'm sure decades and decades it's just like yeah they've there have been maybe very modest attempts to be objective about transfer and yeah, maybe like an articulation agreement, but it's sort of like, you know, far past due being updated. And then in lieu of that, it's completely subjective to like a faculty member and all that. And it seems like it's such a weird, again, there's there's sort of imperative of like, oh, we will want them to pay for the course again, so we're not going to approve it or whatever, or... For some reason is this like bias of like, well, they didn't teach it the way that we taught it. And ours is the only way that you can ever understand, you know, molecular chemistry or whatever. It's like, yeah, okay. Like, I mean, but they like took a course over 16 weeks, just like you do. And they are an accredited four year public institution, just like, like, it's like baffling of like, why are you so like against The idea that somebody could possibly learn what they're supposed to learn somewhere else, even though like anywhere else you'd probably think that they're like your peer institution that you would look to for advice or whatever. So I think it's like just this modest plea of like, please, let's just try to like be a little bit more accommodating here, a little bit more transparent here. Because like the transfer piece, while, you know, that was one big portion of our conversation, I think is is really indicative of, you know, the, the really frustrating aspects of like it feels like it should be something that is more portable that's more transferable and sort of flexible and you know all that kind of stuff because yeah learning can happen anywhere in a lot of different ways it can happen in work experience it could happen you know at any institution and you know wherever somebody ends up you would hope that you know these institutional leaders would be more inclusive and kind of respecting of folks backgrounds to you know, that they're earnestly pursuing, you know, their goals and where they want to go. And it's like, well, it's, it's you to get there, you know? So, uh, we will, we will leave it there. I appreciate again, your, your time, your perspectives, your passion, your, your interest in all this kind of stuff. It's really important. Obviously these are big problems, existential problems that higher education is trying to tackle. And, uh, I think it takes a lot of us sort of thinking and talking about this to kind of, uh, you know, push things forward. So, uh, we'll certainly have ways for for folks to, you know, connect with you and keep the conversation going, but, uh, uh yeah, just thanks so much for hanging out.
1: Thank you so much for having me. And yeah, if anyone wants to reach out and uh, continue this conversation, that would be super fun.
0: The Hired Geek Podcast is a part of the Enrollify Podcast Network. If you like this podcast, chances you'll like all the other Enrollify shows too. Podcast Network is growing constantly, and we've got a plethora of marketing, enrollment, and higher technology shows that are jam-packed with stories, ideas, and frameworks, all designed to empower you to be a better hired professional. Higher shows help you find your next big idea and feature a selection of the industry's best as your host. Learn from people like Jamie Hunt, Seth O'Dell, Dave Kibbold, and Eddie Francis, as well as so many other of your favorite leaders in higher education. Enrollify is made possible by the support of Element 451 leading AI powered all-in-one student engagement platform helping institutions create meaningful personalized engaging interactions with students
1: learn more at element451.com